are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to take your Bible with you, if you have it with you tonight, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2. Luke, chapter number 2, for our scripture reading this evening. And uh, we're going to be in a very familiar passage of Scripture, uh, but let's not allow the familiarity of a passage to uh, hide its meaning uh, and cause us to fail to pay attention and take heed to the Word of God. Luke chapter number 2, if you're seated under the tents, if you're able, if you'll stand to your feet as we read our Scripture text this evening. If, of course, you are in your car, it would be a little difficult for you, but you follow along Let's see what the Word of God has to say. Luke chapter 2, beginning verse number 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger." And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Our Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight, we want to thank you for the story that we have read. A most crucial story, a most critical story. For had there been no Bethlehem, there could have been no Calvary. Had there been no cross, there could have been no empty tomb. And if there were not a cross and an empty tomb, then we would be of all men most miserable, without hope and without help. But oh, I'm glad there is an empty tomb. I'm glad there was a cross. And I'm glad that there was a Christmas when you came. I pray tonight as we turn our attention to this familiar story 
that you would stir our hearts afresh and anew with the remembrance of what a great God you truly are and how great your love to us is and how perfectly your plan was fulfilled. Speak to our hearts and help us. Get honor and glory unto yourself. We'll thank you for it, for we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This evening we come to the third message in our series on Christ and his cradle. It's really been quite a joy for me to preach on this subject. You know, if you just preach on Christ, it's hard to preach a bad sermon because there's nothing bad to say about him. He's altogether lovely. We looked at the period of this cradle and it came to pass in those days. We saw that these were days of adversity. These were days of apostasy. These were days of anxiety. But all these were days of anticipation because Jesus was on his way. We looked last week at the pathway to this cradle. We saw in Matthew 1.17 that three times the Bible describes uh, the pathway leading from Abraham to Christ in the terms of 14 generations. There were 14 generations that climaxed in resplendent glory from Abraham to David. There were 14 generations that were characterized by recurring guilt from David to the carrying away into Babylon. And then there were 14 generations that culminated in redeeming grace from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ. And tonight we come to the third message on this subject and tonight we're looking at the place of this cradle. We read of it in our text in verse number four. The Bible tells us that Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. In verse number six, we're told that it, so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. It was at Bethlehem that this miraculous event occurred. And for a few minutes tonight, I want us to consider Bethlehem. If we were to look at Bethlehem, we could begin by noting in its history, Bethlehem was a foreshadowing place. As we trace the biblical record of this place called Bethlehem, we see that it repeatedly foreshadows what would happen there one glorious night. The first time we read of Bethlehem is in Genesis chapter number 35. In Genesis chapter number 35, we take up our reading in verse number 16. The Bible says, and they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrathah, and Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrathah, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave, that is the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Edar. It's interesting that the very first time that Bethlehem comes upon the scene, the very first time that we read about this place, we see that it is associated with a birth. You see, this was a foreshadowing of his incarnation. 
It was really a, a, a picture of what God was preparing, of what God had in mind, of what would happen many, many centuries in the future on that night that we read of in Luke chapter number two. When Rachel gives birth to this boy, I want you to notice that he, he is given two names. His mother, she is in great sorrow and great travail and she, as she gives birth to this boy, very shortly after uh, producing this child and bringing him into this world, she dies, the Bible tells us. This boy caused her great sorrow. It took her life. And she said, I want you to call him Benoni. The name Benoni means son of my sorrow. Oh, and can I tell you, is that not a picture of Jesus Christ of whom the prophet would write in Isaiah 53 that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? But you see, his father said, no, that's not gonna be his name. Though you may want to call him that, and though, yes, that is true of his, uh, his life and what he has done as you have brought into the world, he has caused you sorrow, but I am going to call him Benjamin. The name Benjamin means the son of my right hand. And oh, is that not true of our Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 12, that this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Jesus Christ is God's right hand man, as it were. He, is, uh, he conquered sorrow and he overcame the sorrow and now he lives to be our ever interceding advocate at the right hand of the Father. The first time Bethlehem appears on the biblical narrative, we're reminded that God is preparing Bethlehem for Christmas. Bethlehem is not only associated in history with a birth, but if we turn over to the book of Ruth, we'll see that Bethlehem is also associated with grace. While the birth foreshadowed his incarnation, the fact that Bethlehem is associated with grace foreshadows his revelation. You see, the book of Ruth is a story of grace. Ruth was a Moabite. She was alienated by her birth from the commonwealth of Israel. In fact, when we come to Ruth chapter number two and verse number five, we find that there is an inquiry made concerning Ruth. Boaz comes and he says to the one who is the servant who is over the field where Ruth is laboring, he asks this question, he says, whose damsel is this? As that servant replies, he gives a threefold reply, a three-part answer in response to that question. Here is what he says. He says, it is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Now, when he says that, he tells several things about Ruth. He says she has a godless heritage. She is a Moabitish damsel. He reminds Boaz that this is a woman with a grievous history. She came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. But all he says, she has a great hunger. She said, let me glean and gather after the reapers. Can I tell you, that's the state of every sinner in the world. We all have a godless heritage. We were shaping in iniquity and in sin where we conceived. 
We have a grievous history. We are sinners not just by birth, but we're sinners by choice. But oh, there came a day in our life when we had a great hunger. We were looking for something to satisfy that longing deep within. And notice, in her state, the Bible says in verse number four, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Oh, can I tell you, Boaz is that kinsman redeemer. And from Bethlehem, he stepped forth to meet the need of the one who was on the outside, the one who was alienated, the one who had no hope and the one who had no help. And Boaz came from Bethlehem to meet every need that she had. This was her response. She said uh, in verse number 10 of chapter two, why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me seeing I am a stranger? You know, in the book of Ruth, five times she is called Ruth the Moabitess. It seems like almost that it is a deliberate attempt. It is a purposeful attempt to remind us of her alienated estate, that she is without. She is not invited in. She is on the outside looking in. If only she could get in, but she can't. She's put out by birth. It's something that happened a long time ago that now has affected her life. Oh, but just like five times she's called Ruth the Moabitess, so five times you'll find that the word Bethlehem appears. It's almost like God is saying that though you're on the outside, there is a place of grace. There is a place where you can be welcomed in. If you'll just look forward in the future, I've got a plan in mind for this place called Bethlehem. It's gonna be a place of grace. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Oh yes, Bethlehem was being prepared for Christmas. Bethlehem was associated with a birth that foreshadowed his incarnation. Bethlehem was associated with grace that foreshadowed his revelation. Bethlehem was also associated, when we get to the book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 23, we find that Bethlehem was associated with courage. Oh, there's something interesting, and this is gonna foreshadow the dedication of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Samuel chapter number 23, we pick up our reading this evening in verse number 14. This is in the account of David's mighty men. The Bible says, and David was then in an hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, oh, that one would give me a drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. You see, in this story, David is longing for something that is not available. David wants something that he can't lay his hands on. David wants something that's just out of reach. Uh, the city of Bethlehem has now been taken over by the Philistines. They have a garrison in there. It is not possible for David to enter into that place and to get what he so desires. But three mighty men of David were determined to provide for him what could not be had. And they broke through the enemy lines and they brought him a drink of water from that well. Oh, could I just say to you tonight that over 2,000 years ago, mankind had a longing for something that was not available. 
we were locked out by the strength of the enemy. All but one night at Bethlehem, God's mighty man broke through the enemy lines. He was wrapped in a robe of flesh. He lived a sinless life. He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem and there he hung on a Roman cross until he could say it is finished. He faced every foe. He resisted every temptation. He overcame every obstacle to provide living water for whosoever will take. All Bethlehem is being prepared for Christmas. It's associated with a birth. It's associated with grace. It's associated with courage. But all when we come to the thought of what does the name Bethlehem mean, we discover that it is associated with bread. You see, this foreshadows his salvation. That's what Bethlehem means. Bethlehem simply means the house of bread. And on that first Christmas night, the bread of life came to the house of bread to meet the needs of a hungering world. Jesus said, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Oh, I wanna tell you from its very inception all the way down through the course of history, time after time, God looked at Bethlehem and said, oh, there's something special about that place. There's something miraculous gonna happen at that place. Keep your eye on Bethlehem. Watch Bethlehem because there is going to occur one of the greatest nights in all of the history of eternity, a night when Christ will come. In its history, it was a foreshadowing place. But could I say tonight that in its heralding, it was a foretold place. If we turn to the book of Micah among the minor prophets, Micah chapter number five and verse number two, we read these very familiar words. But thou Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. You know, God had many different ways to communicate the wonder of Christmas to mankind. There was a star of prominence for the sages they would come and they would say this, we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. There was a statement of praise for the shepherds. We read it in our reading tonight. Uh, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. But oh, there was a scroll of prophecy for the seekers, for those who would look for the answer. It was written in the book. And can I just say to you tonight, Thank God for the star of prominence. Thank God for the statement of praise. But I'm thrilled with the fact that there was a scroll of prophecy. And in the day and age in which we live, we don't need to look to the heavens for a sign. We don't need to listen for a a verbal confirmation from the angels. For we hold in our hand the precious word of God that liveth and abideth forever. And when you have a question about Jesus, can I just say, turn to the book and you'll find the answer. It was not a great secret that Messiah would come to Bethlehem. Alfred Edersheim, a converted Jew, wrote in his book, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. He said this, that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem was a settled conviction. You see, the one who would be born here would be more than a mere man. For we read of him whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. This could only be God himself. 
The psalmist said in Psalm 90 in verse number two, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever hast thou formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. He said again in Psalm 93 in verse number two, thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. You see, it makes no difference that this was an ancient prophecy given some 700 years before the birth of Christ. It makes no difference that it was an unlikely possibility of all the places on planet Earth that this one little obscure town, a village of Bethlehem, would be the place of Messiah's coming. That was an unlikely possibility, but that didn't really matter. For this was a divine proclamation that Bethlehem was the place. And while there were other cities that were more impressive than little Bethlehem, while there were other places that were more influential than little Bethlehem, oh, there were none that were more important. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. In its history, Bethlehem was a foreshadowing place. In its heralding, Bethlehem was a foretold place. But could I just say tonight in all honesty, it was a fitting place. Have you ever asked the question why was Bethlehem chosen to be the place of the birth of the promised Messiah? Well, the answer is very simply because it was the proper place for him to be born. If we go back to the beginning of the biblical record of Bethlehem, note that there was more than just the city that was mentioned. I mean, more than just the city is identified. In fact, there is a particular point of the city that is specifically noted. It's in the last verse of our reading when we read in Genesis chapter number 35. It's verse number 21. And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Edar. Now that's interesting. The Hebrew word for Edar is translated into English as the flock. So we could read it this way. He spread his tent beyond the tower of the flock. You say, well, that's interesting. Yes, we'll turn back to the book of Micah again. Now remember, Genesis is the first mention of Bethlehem in the Old Testament. Micah is gonna be the last mention of Bethlehem in the Old Testament. So we're getting the first and the last. God's gonna tell us everything that we need to know. And notice when we come to the writings of the prophet Micah, we noted the chapter that precedes this great announcement that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the promised Messiah. We find a veiled reference to this very incident in chapter four and verse number eight. Notice Micah chapter four and verse number eight. And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. In other words, this is the same phrase that is used in Genesis 35, the tower of the flock. Now, I'm interested in that because the first mention is connected with the tower of the flock and the last mention is connected with the tower of the flock. According to Jewish history, the fields surrounding Bethlehem were commonly known to all Israelites as the place where the lambs were birthed and brought up for the temple sacrifices. Watchtowers were constructed throughout Israel to watch for approaching enemies and were also used by shepherds to watch over their sheep. 
The tower of Bethlehem was very special for it was in this place that the sacrificial lambs were birthed. The tower was two stories tall. The uppermost story was used for a lookout and the bottom story was for the ewes to be brought in from the elements to give birth to the lambs. The manger in this locale was ceremonially pristine clean. For just a few short miles from here, the lambs brought to life in this place would be sacrificed in Jerusalem. This pure place was also equipped with swaddling claws, which were used to wrap the little lambs as soon as they were born. The purpose was to restrict the movements of the lambs so that they would not hurt themselves, so that they would not mar a leg or an ear, a snout, or any portion of the lamb's body. Then, when the lambs were mature enough not to wobble around, they were loose from their swaddling claws. This was in accordance with the early requirement for the Passover lamb, your lamb shall be without blemish, Exodus 12, 5. Again, reading from the words of Alfred Edersheim, that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem was a settled conviction. Equally so was the belief that he was to be revealed from Migdal Eder, that is the tower of the flock. This Migdal Eder was not the watchtower for ordinary flocks which pastured on the sheep ground beyond Bethlehem, but this tower lay close to town on the road to Jerusalem. The flocks which pastured there were destined for temple sacrifices and accordingly the shepherds who watched over them were not just ordinary shepherds. These shepherds were commissioned by the priest of the temple to watch over, to aid in birth, to inspect, to approve and to present these lambs to Jerusalem for sacrifice. One source tells us that these special shepherds in fact may have very well been priests themselves. When the angel therefore told the shepherds that the Christ was born, they were told that it took place in the city of David, which is Bethlehem. Then in Luke chapter two in verse number 12, they said, and this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And the Bible tells us that they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They did not need a star to direct their steps. They did not need to receive instruction from someone else. They knew very well that the only manger in Bethlehem where swaddling claws were used was the tower of the flock. And according to prophecy, it all made perfect sense. The place where the Passover lambs were born became the place where the one and only final Passover lamb was indeed born. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. A box of straw became a cradle, embracing God in human form. One would expect more than a stable, but where else? would a lamb be born? Oh, it was a foreshadowing place. It was a foretold place. And most certainly it was a fitting place. For Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. He was destined to the throne of God, but to the cross must go. To pay the debt of all man's sin, his precious blood he shed, was placed within a borrowed tomb, but rose up from the dead. He came to give us joy and peace to take away our sin. He heals the sick and calms the storm and ushers justice in. 
One day this lamb will come again to rule and reign on earth. The hope and joy he brings is why we celebrate his birth. And so it was that while they were there in the foreshadowed place, in the foretold place, in the fitting place, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.